Hello and welcome back to A Functional Approach with Dr. Jim Chaltis. I am Dr. Jim Chaltis and today I'm going to talk about the ancient Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku, otherwise known as forest bathing. And I have to kind of chuckle a little bit um, about, about this concept because it's such a basic notion of what it means to be a human animal is to just take a walk in a forest. But I can tell you uh, that if you go to uh, a website such as PubMed, which is where a lot of uh, medical journals are housed you know, for your reading pleasure, if you're are so inclined to read scientific journals, um, you can enter in forest bathing as the search item and you will literally get thousands of hits. Uh, there is a great deal of study, apparently, about the simple act of walking through a forest and breathing its air. You know, right? That is the practice. And um, I, I thought of this topic, actually. I mean, it's something I've known about for quite some time. Um, but in the last week, week and a half or so, I've had two experiences in forests, actually in three different forests, um, that were profound, you know, and and lovely, and and I recognized them immediately for what they were and what they were offering me, and that they were offering me healing, and um, and nourishment at a at a very deep energetic, you know, level, right? That you just can't get in a doctor's office. I don't care if that doctor's office is allopathic, mainstream, or alternative. It, it's uh, this is a personal thing between you and your environment, right? And it really does speak to you know, the, the basics of wellness. What have we, the human animal, evolved over time to thrive in, right? We are amazing creatures. We are resilient creatures. And like all creatures, we require at least some degree of exposure, right, to outside elements. I've spoken previously about, you know, the benefits of uh, deliberate heat and cold exposure, right, through either sauna or through something like a cold plunge or even a cold shower, right? These are examples of things that somebody can do that create, you know, you know, controllable but, you know, significant levels of stress on the system and the body rebounds and does something lovely with it, right? Something as simple as Shinrin Yoku, and I, I apologize to my Japanese friends out there. I'm sure I am butchering the the pronunciation of it, but something as simple as walking through a forest, right? Aside from maybe if you forgot your jacket and are a little bit chilly, um, is not something that really pushes you into this level of discomfort, right? Um, I suppose with a few exceptions where somebody might be um, so unaccustomed to being in in a wilderness environment that they that they might feel afraid or um, just uneasy about it. Um, you know, I, I did go for a hike with a, an old high school friend of mine. Um, this was several years ago, and we live in the suburbs of, you know, San Diego, and um, there's really no significant wild creatures where we live. But I, um, he brought with us on this daytime hike um, a can of bear spray. And I, I didn't want to pry or press too much because that was just what he needed to feel comfortable enough to go for a hike in the middle of the day in a San Diego, California canyon, right? In a, in a state park, really. I'm happy he went with me. I really am. Um, but I suppose that would be that would be one example of something that might somebody might feel uncomfortable about in in a basic forest walk. 
clearly if you go to certain forests you might be met with grizzly bears or mountain lions or coyotes we have coyotes here although they don't tend to attack humans um whenever i see a coyote i get a little bit excited personally um but forest bathing right why would somebody do it aside from just liking to be outside well apparently the reasons are many and i will get to them <laughs> i did do some research i will try to attach um some of these literature articles in the show notes i i've kind of i admit to being a little bit of a techno weenie and i don't know a whole lot about some of this technical stuff but i i know that there's a way for me to post these things so i'm going to attempt to do that and then uh, probably do that going forward from here because i do reference journals and, and i think it's important for you the listener to know that i'm not just speaking out of my rear end so to speak right i have i have read things uh, that are published and in well-respected journals so um this is one and and again i laugh it i laugh about it because I, when i normally speak about something I, I speak about oh boy the science and the benefits of being gluten-free because of this like, autoimmune thyroid or autoimmune neurological condition and, and it's very sciencey it's very cut and dry it's hard to argue in a lot of ways um, walking through a forest is such a woo-woo sounding ethereal nonsensical concept if we're if we're really talking about it in in sort of a modern day mainstream approach to health and and disease really right uh, because I can tell you, there. I know a lot of doctors who will look their patient right in the face and say, it doesn't matter what you eat, you have MS, or you have rheumatoid arthritis. You know, don't listen to the, those kooks who tell you that you can't have something, right? Meanwhile, it's published. So I, I bring that up not to poo-poo my, my brothers and sisters in the mainstream allopathic model. Um, I do believe they do their best with what they have available to them and the time that they have available to them. But it speaks of this notion that our, our health, our wellness, if you will, um, the presence of actual full-blown pathological disease in a lot of cases can only be addressed through chemicals. What chemical is going to fix me, right? What company has made a certain molecule that I can ingest in pill form you know, once to three times a day that's going to, to fix my discomforts and my risk, right? And there could be times for that, but boy, is it naive to believe that that's the only way, isn't it, right? So forest bathing, I love the term, it's fantastic. I just picture like luxuriating in this like clawfoot tub just in a, in a wood somewhere. Um, that does sound nice, especially if it was fed by hot spring water. Uh, perhaps I'll do a, a, a talk on hot springs because I, I do love them and I, I uh, like the forest. I feel energetically drained if I don't soak in a, in a hot spring every once in a while. It, it's kind of a weird experience to describe, but, but I definitely feel the same with nature. nature. So um, quickly before I get into all the benefits of that, um, two weekends ago, um, my wife and I uh, went for a little drive. We, we she found this um, fascinating little video online of a of a museum in Fresno, California, of all places. Now, Fresno does not typically, um, you know, uh, 
bring in a lot of tourism. <laughs> but um, but there was this museum there of a of a, a man in the teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. He, he, I think he spent about 40 years of his life digging this underground, you know, kind of lair, this home. He turned into a resort, uh, and he grows. Uh, he grew orange and citrus trees under the surface of the earth and uh, because it was all just hard pan and he couldn't grow an orchard on the surface but he was a genius of sorts and he he created this place so that's what got us out of our little san diego suburb kind of thing my wife just said hey you want to go drive to fresno and see this cool thing and i said yes i do let's do that uh, because aside from forest bathing adventure is another concept that is important for us. We are human animals and we need adventure in our lives. We need newness and excitement and um, not to mention partners need just to get away with each other for a couple days and, and, and leave the rest of it behind, right? So so that was the purpose for the trip. Uh, but you spend one day in Fresno, you see the lovely museum, which I highly recommend. I, I believe it's called the Underground Gardens. I, I will give them a a plug right now. Um, it, it's worth a drive to Fresno to go see this underground gardens. That man was a genius and it will leave you awestruck. Okay, now we didn't want to just drive home after that, so we, we drove east uh, an hour or so and we went to a uh, little town, Three Rivers, California, which is one of the gateways to the Sequoia National Park. And um, It'd been many years since I've been to the Sequoias. Um, we had no intention on actually going to the to the forest, to, to the park itself. We just kind of wanted to, you know, Airbnb it and just hang out on the river and have some food and enjoy each other, right? Um, but that was the time when the time changed. And so we found ourselves kind of up a little early. We were an hour off from normal. It was not time to drive back to San Diego. And so we made the choice and spontaneously went up into the park. You know, it was only about a 45 minute drive to the, to the giant sequoia trees and, um, took ourselves a little hike in the forest before we drove back to San Diego, about a five or six hour drive. And um, if anybody has done that drive, it's lovely at first, but you get into the the density of the, the urban environment very, very quickly with all that that brings. Traffic, stop signs, you know, horns honking, all that stuff, right? Uh, that feeling of urgency that you have to get home, you know, you have to get to your business. Boy, we were gone for a couple of days, so we need to go shopping. You know, all that starts rushing back to you very quickly, right? But we just walked through one of the most fabulous forests that you can possibly walk through. Um, if you have not been to the Sequoia National Park, I highly encourage you to do so. These are ancient trees. These are massive trees, 300 foot plus trees, the, the largest you know, living tree on the planet, I think, lives there. Uh, maybe there's a few down in the Amazon, I'm not sure. But uh, nonetheless, this is something to see. And though we probably shouldn't be really disturbing them too much, just given the amount of foot traffic, I, I have to, I, I feel compelled to touch one. I really do. I, I feel compelled. I can't help myself. Um, I don't think it's against the rules to touch it. I just feel for the environment. Um, but having said that, there's a need for connection. I've spoken about connection in a lot of different ways. If you've listened to my episodes, I do believe connection truly is the meaning of life. And I mean, I mean that with respect to other fellow humans. I mean that with respect to the people that are suffering overseas right now in war-torn countries. 
Uh, I mean that with your loved ones, with your pets, with your local canyons and streams, with your ancestors, with your religious deities, if you choose to pray to them, right? Connection is a, is a very, very important piece of, of humanity, as well as other animals, right? Um, we get along with our lovely dogs because they, they live in packs and we feel connected. My dog is happiest when he's snuggling on the couch, touching one of us, right? And I feel the same. I love my little dog, Cheddar. <laughs> so when you, when you get to walk with these, these giants, especially these ancients, right? There, there's something to it, right? You feel a connection to another time, perhaps. Your mind wanders. It doesn't think about the grocery list. It thinks about what was life back when this massive 300-foot tree was a sapling, right? And what did it go through? How many fires did it see? You start to really enmesh yourself with this other living being, if you want to call it a being. I don't know. There's a spirit in those trees. I, they call me a hippie. I call me a woo-woo. I don't mind. I feel it, and I think you will too if you find yourself in the presence of these, these magnificent trees and, um, and all the animals that live there, right? who have the privilege of living there. It's fascinating. So... Um, that was that was two weekends ago. Okay, now, actually, I think it's probably three by the time I post this. But bear with me. So that trip was an impromptu. Hey, let's do it. I said yes. Let's go for it, knowing that I had already had another trip planned the following weekend. That was the weekend I just had, um, and and that was to go visit a high school friend. Um, again, in my quest to. Um, embrace connectivity, connection to people. I haven't seen this particular friend um, for many, many years because we live apart, uh, but have some very, very fond memories of our high school times together and, and here and there since then. And so she invited me to her home, uh, which was just outside of Bishop, California on the Eastern Sierra now. Remember, the Sequoia National Park is on the western side of the Sierras, very different than the eastern side of the Sierras. Um, the eastern side is almost my favorite, actually. It's, it's, um, it's sheer rocks. It's, you know, it's high-altitude peaks in the 13 to 14,000-foot range. There's lakes everywhere. Um, the hiking is, is second to none. The forest itself is just beautiful. The trees are, are wonderful. Um, and I, I had a chance to walk on a frozen lake, which I've never done. Uh, I didn't realize that the lakes would be frozen. So I got that thrill of walking on top of crystal clear ice that um, I knew wasn't going to break because there was a gentleman out there ice skating on it. And if his little, you know, narrow um, ice skates weren't breaking the ice, my big fat feet wouldn't. So um, it was exciting, to say the least, uh, for this Southern California boy. Uh, so... We had a nice nine-mile hike at ten and eleven thousand feet, uh, ish, and, uh, and and just had a wonderful day, right? And breathing the air, the cold air, you know, it was uh, it was refreshing, and it it it's it's those moments that remind you of the little things. Like we we breathe, right? But we don't think about it generally. It's something that happens in the background, and and rightfully so. I, I need to concentrate on this podcast, for example, but. We can, of course, do breath work, the yoga practice of pranayama, and there's a million of other ways of practicing breath work. 
But when you're sitting in a, in a forest near a frozen lake and you take that breath, I think we can all appreciate how that feels. It reminds us of our capacity to breathe. It puts us in touch with the most important thing in life, which is our breath. Without our breath, we die very quickly, right? So these are some of the things that I get from quote-unquote forest bathing, right? What did it do for me? It gave me this sense of connection with not just the environment and not just with these ancient, ancient trees, but with my own organs, with my own vitality, right? It provided me an opportunity to think about it specifically and to appreciate because how often do we go like, uh, oh, my lungs hurt, <coughs> right? <laughs> and feel the negative reaction to my organs, right? Oh, the, the, the morning phlegm or, or boy, my stomach hurts, right? We, we're always kind of checking in with the negatives, but, but not really embracing and appreciating the, the beauty and the positives. And the forest and the cold air and the frozen lake did that for me, right? So on my way out on, on this last Sunday, I, um, I didn't know if we'd have enough time, but we made it work. So I, I got in a quick 15-mile bike ride with my friend because they're avid cyclists and, and she wanted to go for that ride. I said, yes. Um, I think it was a good practice to always say yes to things that, when people offer, um, whether you feel like it or not. I think there's usually benefit in the end. So I got in this beautiful road ride in the eastern Sierra with, um, with the changing colors of the cottonwood trees and you know the sheer, the sheer cliffs of the eastern Sierra. Um, fascinating, wonderful place. Um, and then we made it on our way out. We drove a little bit south and went to the White Mountains, which are really only 45 minutes, you know, an hour drive away. Um, and that's where the ancient bristlecone pine forest, this is, uh, these are the oldest living trees, uh, upwards of 4,000 years old, right? 4,000 years, that is a, a, a staggering number. Uh, and these are not tall and majestic. These are small and gnarled. <laughs> and, um, and you can tell that they are, they are strong little old spirits and they, they are persisting there. Uh, and that's at about the 10,000 foot level as well. Um, that mountain goes up to 14,000 as well, White Mountain. Um, but the trees don't live that far north. So we, we did a, a four mile loop. And, and looked at all of these, these very, very ancient bristlecone pines. So in a seven-day period, I got to touch an ancient redwood, several of them. I got to walk under them. And I got to sit on frozen lakes in a, just a typical kind of conifer forest right around tree line, you know, and just a, a, almost above tree line. And then the next day got to shake hands with the bristlecones, the ancients, on a completely different mountain range. So western and eastern Sierra and then the White Mountains right next and I got to look down the east side and see all of Death Valley and the mountains that surround um, Death Valley. Beautiful, beautiful place. So um, it was an exciting week for me, this, this naturophile uh, that I am, I suppose. Uh, I got to forest walk. I got to forest bathe. Right? <laughs> what, a, what a unique, cool experience. And I'm so glad I said yes, both to my wife and to my friend, uh, because look what it got me. And I'm pretty jazzed up about it, as you might be able to tell. Um, so why? Why would we do this? Maybe you don't like nature. Maybe you hate mosquitoes, or you think that it hurts to walk, or you're afraid of puma. 
right? Or coyotes or something like that. Okay, I, I understand that and I, I appreciate that. But there's health benefits and these are the published benefits that I spoke of in the very beginning. Right. So it's important when looking through medical journals to to make sure you're not looking at the one study. Like you got to be aware of the one study. Uh, this study showed you take this drug and it does this benefit. Great. It might. But did they look at 10 people and tell you that? Or did they look at 10,000 people tell you that? Or in the case of what I am linking to in this discussion, um, were they meta-analysis studies? Meta-analysis is basically a study where they look at all the different literature on a specific topic and combine their results. So you're not just taking the word of one scientist or one scientific group, you're taking the word of, I don't know, 18 to 20 on average, let's say, or, or, or more. And so a meta-analysis is a much better representation of, I suppose, what you would consider truth. Right? Truth in science, because yes, I'm a scientist at heart, and yes, I do believe in science. What I am sadly understanding more and more these days is that science is much more easily manipulated than it, it should be. Um, a meta-analysis gets, gets to the bottom of things a lot better than, than the one study, which might have some faults to it. Um, what they've shown in general is that and they've done pre and post test. All they did was have somebody walk in the woods. And I should might I might add, I did some exotic wood bathing, <laughs> you know, forest bathing. I went to crazy mountains and as at altitude. This also works in urban parks. Okay? You might live in New York City. Go take a walk in the park. Preferably not after night when it's dark and scary and actually maybe dangerous. But find a safe place in a, in a city setting and get yourself there. I live in San Diego. There are canyons everywhere in the chaparral, and I love the chaparral ecosystem. I get a lot out of those shrubs, if you want to call them shrubs. Uh, lots of animals, lots of cool stuff happening in the chaparral. So just me walking out my back door, even though I live in suburbia, I get the benefits of uh, forced bathing. And you can too. I don't care what city you're in. You're there, there's a green area for you. Um, but what they showed was decreases in stress hormones like cortisol, um, epinephrine, otherwise known as adrenaline, and, and or norepinephrine, that's just a, a different type of version of a, a similar concept, um, decreases before and after, just from like maybe a 30-minute walk, right? And they controlled the research by taking a 20 or 30-minute walk in just a straight urban setting, right? Just walking down the street versus walking down a trail surrounded by streets, right? With trees around you. So a decrease in stress physiology. How many of us, how many of you, me, right, can say that they could appreciate an, an experience that would lower their stress hormones, their stress physiology? I'm raising my hand right now because I'm one of them. I don't live a stress-free life and I look for ways to reduce my stress as much as possible. Right? Life is scary and life is tough. <clears throat> so without taking a drug, you can quite literally decrease your stress hormones just by walking, provided you choose the right place to walk. You can also, this has been shown, increase immune system activity. You can increase natural killer cells, which is a type of immune cell. Uh, I talked about it in my last episode with um, autoimmunity, and um, this is part of our, you know, our 
basic kind of innate immune response to when you, you know, catch a virus or something, it gets the ball rolling. It keeps your immune system strong and ready, okay? Just having a little bit of higher natural killer cells by itself is not going to launch somebody into pathology. Uh, in this in the context of these studies, it's improving the, the capacity for natural kills, killer cells to be active when necessary. So just walking in nature helps your immune system. I want you all to think back, what did they tell us to do during COVID? They told us to stay at home, right? Don't go. That little canyon next to my house, which is technically owned by the park system, I've never seen another individual out there in this canyon because I walk off trail, was blocked off with yellow caution tape, closed. You can't go here because of COVID, right? That was my chance to go out there and improve my natural killer cells. So between you and me, I ducked under the tape and went for that. Okay, I went for that walk. I'll, I'll, I'll hide the expletives, <laughs> right? I went for that walk in the canyon all by myself, and I brought my dog, actually, which also helps. Um, okay, enough of that soapbox. Now, um, it also has been shown to increase intracellular protein. So there, there's different types of proteins um, in our body that, that can be protective. Um, but this one, they were looking specifically against um, cancer-protective proteins. Um, and a lot of times that can be something that just helps maintain the structure of your DNA, perhaps protects the DNA from degradation, uh, might help stop the breakdown of other tissues. Um, we talked about that a little bit with the sauna episode with the heat shock proteins. It's another way of kind of adding proteins that protect your cells intracellularly inside, right? Protect the DNA. So go out and forest bathe and you are potentially... I can't prove this, but according to the literature, you're potentially um, protecting yourself against the development of cancer. That's pretty fascinating. Uh, now, along with the stress hormone reduction comes a, a measurable reduction in blood pressure and resting heart rate, right? I just think how you feel. Just transport yourself for a moment in a lovely green forest with the, with the birds chirping and the smell of some you know, fragrant herbs that are growing or flowers or trees in the area and it's green and quiet, right? How does your heart feel? How does your pulse rate feel, right? You can imagine just in that calm environment as compared to walking down the crazy street, watching for cars, hearing people yell at each other, right? Um, like they do maybe in New York or San Francisco, places I've you know been and lived. Uh, it makes sense to me. So do you suffer from hypertension? Maybe. I can tell you that of the top 10 drugs that are prescribed, a, a large fraction of them, almost half, are relating to things like hypertension, right? One of the most medicated conditions here in America, at least. How many of those hypertensive patients are forest bathing? Don't know. It would be fascinating if that was a message that we got from our our, um, our medical systems from our Surgeon General, right? Be a, it'd be a very different situation perhaps if we had discussions like that on a, on a grander scale than, than my little humble podcast and others like it, right? But I think it's starting. It's grassroots, right? F don't forget the basics. If you, if you forget the basics, you need more of the chemicals. And the chemicals come with side effects. And the chemicals come with polypharmacy because one leads to the another to the another. 
So start with the basics. Go walk in a forest. There's another thing that happens in the nervous system. We have the sympathetic, which is our fight or flight, and there's the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. And they should be equally kind of firing all the time. You know, they kind of keep each other in check. Uh, I always say it's kind of like the way we're not supposed to drive a car. Like you're not supposed to have your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. But but that's exactly what our, our brain stem does and our nervous system does because it's keeping things you know in check all the time. So a lot of us end up in a sympathetic fight or flight kind of experience, um, overdrive. It's, it's like you're cranking on the gas and your foot's off the brake and everything's stressful and sped up. That's where hypertension comes from, for example, um, and other things, anxiety perhaps. Uh, so what happens in the, in the forest bathing scenario is you activate the parasympathetics. So you, you're calmer, you're resting and digesting better and you're pulling back on the gas a little bit so you're not so you know fast forward all the time you're not you're not getting all red in the face you're not tachycardic right high, high heart rate um, your blood vessels lower so it, it, that that concept comes kind of hand in hand with that lowering of blood pressure lowering of heart rate but it's doing so at a neurological level sometimes just what you see changes your neurology right so think about that what are, you, what are you putting in front of yourself? Are you watching TV where they're shooting guns and chasing cars and people are being murdered? I watch it sometimes, I, I admit it, but is that kind of how you roll? I used to have a patient who used to bring in his, his movie player and watch like, you know, The Wire or like Dark, Dark 230 or whatever, whatever that one is about the bombs in Iraq or something. That's what he chose to watch during acupuncture. Hey, it was his experience, but that's kind of contrary to acupuncture. Acupuncture is parasympathetic, and he's watching people getting blown up. That's sympathetic. Um, so what are you choosing to put in front of your visual field? I recommend putting in front of your visual field a nice green forest, and so would all this literature here. Um, now, another concept is improve sleep quality. How many of us sleep like garbage, right? There's lots of reasons to sleep. I'll do a sleep talk at some point. That's a good one. Um, are you having trouble getting to sleep? Maybe. That's a common one. I myself, I, I go through phases, but sometimes it'll be 15 minutes. Sometimes it'll take me two hours to get to sleep. Can't stop the monkey mind. If I think back, if I charted it out, I'd bet you anything it wouldn't correlate well with how I'm out in nature. Right? It's long days at the office. It's rushing home to make dinner. It's sitting in front of the TV watching maybe violent movies, and then I probably don't sleep as good. What else? Adiponectin. This is a big one. Adiponectin is a hormone that is, um, it has to do with our adipose, our fatty tissue, but we want higher levels of adiponectin, and forest bathing has been shown to do that, right? It, what adiponectin can help with is regulation of our blood sugar, our blood glucose levels, and insulin secretion. So the type 2 diabetics, for example, or those people that are pre-diabetic in that insulin resistance category, if they added forest bathing, they can elevate their levels of adiponectin, which helps sensitize the insulin receptor. Dr. Jim, what supplement should I take for insulin resistance? I don't know. Go out in the forest bathe. Right? Maybe that's what you start with if you don't want to spend the money. Right? There's free things out there we can do that we don't have to spend money on. Second pick would be, hey, maybe take some berberine at higher dose and we could talk. But um, it helps control lipids in our blood, cholesterols. It's been shown to help improve cholesterol scores, people that regularly forest bathe. 
Fascinating to me. Fascinating. Who would have ever thought? Walking around trees can adjust how much insulin you produce, irrespective of your meals. I love it. I love that. This is science. This is non-biased science. I love that, which is what all science should be. you got to be wary of the biased part, where they're trying to make a certain thing fit, a certain narrative. That's dangerous. We're seeing that a lot right now. Um, let's not forget the mountains of literature that don't come with financial gain at the end. Right? There's no money to be made in forest bathing. And if there is any money, you're supporting a national park or something, <laughs> which is a good thing to do. Um, so consider that. I have a, a friend who, um, they, they might be listening, um, who recognizes in themselves that uh, when life becomes too heavy, um, there is some trauma in the background there. Um, they find a way to immediately go to nature and it usually involves a backpack, usually involves a solo backpack um, for three to five days from what I could gather and that's a good reset, right? That reset all that, all that stuff, all that, all that nonsense that tries to creep into our lives and I, I really commend them for that. That is, that, that takes a great deal of introspection and understanding of what that person needs for themselves. Um, and guess what? That person is no different than you, right? We all have that in us. Um, and I, I think it's wonderful that they make that, that connection and, and put that into action. Because there are lots of ways to say, I, I don't have time, right? But what's the consequence? The consequence might not be so pretty, right? If we're just not doing things that, that are known to help us. Um, and very lastly, and on that note, actually, on that, on that kind of topic of my friend, um, you know, we, we all have things that, um, that build in us. Some of us might have full-blown, you know, major depressive disorder or, you know, a generalized anxiety disorder or anger issues, right? You know, just mood imbalances, be that pathological or just kind of normal, but uh, it's getting to be a lot, right? Um, there's ways of measuring these scores. You go to psychiatry or psychology, and, and oftentimes there's these ve verified questionnaires that can score you in certain ways, like these mood scores. And uh, there, there's a bunch of them. I won't name them all, but um, but mood scores in general improve, right? They improve if you if you force bathe, and that could be temporarily just from a little day, or if it's something that's a part of your life. In general, people have improved mood scores, and what does that do for them? that makes them enjoy their life better, right? That makes them more likely to say yes the next time a friend says, hey, come up and visit me in Bishop. I know it's a six hour drive and you only have a couple days, right? A grumpy person is gonna say, screw that. I don't wanna pay the money on the gas, right? They can't see the benefits. But somebody who has improved mood scores would say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm gonna do it. Goodbye everybody, I'll be back in three days. So um, put together, Forest bathing, shinrin yoku, if you if you want to say it that way, go walk in a forest and breathe the air, and and observe the scenery. You've chosen what to put in your visual field to what your reality is. What's important? The little birds flitting from branch to branch is important. They are not um, meaningless things out there. Uh, they. There's a world of opportunity of thought just in that one little bird, if you want it to be, right? Positive ones.
things that fill you with, with wonder and joy, positive vibrations, right? Um, don't forget the little stuff. The forests are there for us. We still live in a time where we have them. So use them. And if you don't have a forest nearby, uh, and by the way, I do believe a desert works too because there's some beauty out there in deserts. But um, if you don't have those big wilderness spaces, seek out local parks. If you need a beach, there's a beach, right? A lake. I don't believe it's as specific to a green tree as it, as it sounds. But I do believe there's something about the color green. So uh, if you have a forest, go to them. If you don't have one, find a park and um, make that a part of your lifestyle and walk there if you can <laughs> move the body because what are we getting elsewise otherwise you're walking you're moving your blood you're, you're getting out there so this practice is not a subtle one it's a big one and um, and the more you're out there the more you become in touch with your surroundings and the greater life can become so i hope you found that interesting i certainly did and um, i I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to experience such a potent concentration of, of forests and mountain ranges all within a seven-day period. I don't, I don't normally get to do that. That was unique for me. So it really brought this topic to the forefront, which is why I inserted it randomly because I have a list of topics and, uh, and you're getting it now. So thank you for your time and attention and um, go out and find a trail and go walk on it and, uh, and think of me and smile. All right. Much love to you all. My name is Dr. Jim Chaltis, and this is A Functional Approach. Bye-bye.